Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim in the Room podcast. Your host, Asma Hussein, Iman Ahmed, and Zainab Zafar are three Canadian Muslim women. Every week, they will discuss issues that are relevant to the celebration, growth, and empowerment of Muslim women in the West. They will confront some of the social issues affecting us through thought-provoking topics. We would love for you to join us. You can do that by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. But for now, join us and let's get into today's episode. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim in the Room. Today we're talking about something that's not often addressed in clear terms anymore, which is backbiting. So I have some questions to start off with. How do we take ourselves to account when we find that we're speaking negatively about somebody? And how do you steer the conversation away from backbiting, but while still being a safe space for people you care about to confide in you about their problems and their struggles? Asma, this is a really, really important topic, a needed one that we need to address for ourselves and for also others approaching us. When we have this interaction with our very close friends or family, and we tend to say things that are, it's a slip of a tongue or whatever the case is, subhanAllah, we fall into a major sin, which is backbiting. So how do you save yourself and your family and your friends from falling into that kind of sin? The tricky one. I feel like everyone now has some sort of way to express their opinion about another person. And it's so easy to fall into that. You know, Zainab, I think it's become so common. And even though we don't use the word backbiting anymore, we use other words. But, it's, but sometimes they overlap. Like, you know, when we call someone out, we call someone out for doing a specific thing publicly, even like on social media and that kind of thing. Or we, we spill the tea. I think Iman was mentioning this before, like we spill the yes. tea and it's framed, <laughs> it's framed in a way that's like funny and like social. Like this is a thing that you do when, when you get together with your friends and you're being social, you know, you spill the tea on like people you work with and people who are in your family and your friends and stuff like that. And so it's almost like backbinding has like a positive spin on it almost now, which is super weird to even think about. But I think that because... <laughs> it's become so socially acceptable, it makes it even a more difficult thing to avoid, right? Because if you have a sin that's totally unacceptable socially, right? Or even totally unacceptable in the Muslim community, for example, then it's easier to, not necessarily easier to stay away from it, but easier to not publicize it or be careful about who you talk about it to and that kind of thing, right? But spilling the tea or backbiting, whatever, it's so acceptable now that people don't even consider it a sin anymore. Which is very scary. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I was just thinking about the calling out people on social media, Asma, and you brought that up, and the cancel culture. So I'm thinking if the person was mentioned, right, and you're tagging, say, for example, the person, and the person is obviously they can read your post, is that still considered backbiting, though? Because technically, is it really in their absence? I mean, <laughs> we're in a virtual world, right? <laughs> That's actually a really hard question. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just thinking yeah. about that just as you brought it up, and I was like, but wait. How do we navigate this in a virtual world where we're not going to be seeing a lot of these people, mm. rarely going to meet these people maybe in my lifetime. But if I'm tagging them on social media so that I'm making sure that they're seeing these posts and I'm talking in a respectful manner, is that still considered backbiting? Because what if my intention is to hold the other person accountable publicly? Mm. I actually think you, you brought up a really good point, Iman. I think when things are said in public, generally speaking, when things are said in public, it's acceptable to address them in public. 
So if somebody I know, or like if a scholar or a social media personality or whatever posts something that I find problematic, I have no problem addressing it publicly, right? Because like this is now we're talking about public discourse. Like we're talking about having discussions and, and, and whatever. And even if I disagree, and again, respectfully and, and whatnot, I don't really see that as in the same like arena. Like to me, when I think of backbiting, I think like you're literally speaking about somebody negatively behind their back. Yes. You know, and specifically something that they wouldn't like that is something private about them. Like, for yeah. example, if I have a post on social media and I talk about, I don't know, what I ate in a day, and then someone goes and starts talking about what I ate in a day, whatever, I, I'm the one that I posted it publicly. So everyone has access to it, right? But if I go and I tell my sister on the phone, oh my God, I ate an entire chocolate cake today. <laughs> <laughs> As you post on social media? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mind went there, you guys. I don't know why. I think I'm just craving an entire chocolate cake. <laughs> but like if I tell her like, oh my God, I'm going through something really rough and I ate like an entire chocolate cake. And then she goes to her friend and says, oh my God, my sister like is so messed up. She ate an entire chocolate cake. Then I would be upset because that was something that I told someone in confidence or something that yeah. is a private thing that I did not post publicly or did I did not like announce publicly or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. But then you think about, I know this is a completely different topic. For example, negative experiences that people face, say from famous people, public figures. So these experiences are private, right? So um, we're not going to name <laughs> events that happened previously, but think about experiences. Maybe people were victimized or they faced abuse privately. And now these people come out in public. Now, is that considered backbiting? Because this was something that was done in private. So you see what I'm saying? The waters of backbiting, I feel like, is so vast. And yeah. it's, it's so hard to navigate it without proper knowledge. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so important to really like, take courses, learn from scholars, to really understand. Because these are things that come up on, in our everyday lives, right? whether it's uh, people coming up to us to confine in us and telling us about their experiences and how do we even approach that? What do we consider backbiting? When do we step in to help? When do we hold these people accountable? You see what I'm saying? It's such a, it's a tricky thing. We we need a course on that. eh? We We do. We need a course on that. (laughs) But like the way that I've always thought about it and read about it is that if someone has private sins that do not affect another person, like they just have their private sins like that they're struggling with, we're not allowed to make that stuff public. You know what I mean? We should, we should Whereas, share it, right? Yeah, we, we shouldn't share it. Even yeah. if, yeah, if we find out, like if I find out someone I know like goes clubbing, I don't know. I don't know. Not that anyone's doing any of that during COVID, but like if I find out someone's going clubbing and that's not something that's negatively affecting anyone except that person's relationship with Allah. That's a private thing, right? So I have no right to quote unquote expose them for something that is private between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know what I mean? Whereas, can I be be the devil's advocate and say, what about their parents? (laughs) (laughs) No, but Iman, it's affecting their parents. (laughs) It it is, but at the same time, like, oh, okay, that's that's the touchy thing. Like, should someone go to their parents and tell on them? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. know, I would, I would err on the side of caution and say no. I really would. Unless yeah. like the person is engaging in like literally like self-harming behaviors that, that will affect their health. The reason um, why I bring this up is because this happens between siblings all the time. 
right? So a lot of siblings <laughs> okay. don't other stuff that their <laughs> siblings are not supposed to be doing. So think about all the siblings that probably young siblings that are hearing this. Like, is are they going to hide it from their parents because oh, this is backbiting and it's bad. It's between them and Allah. But what if they're engaging in things that are dangerous that their parents should be knowing about? So uh, what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say is it's not a blanket statement. You see what I'm saying? Like you have to take it scenario by scenario, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because like, I feel like parents are on a different level. Like if there's a teen out there and they're doing something and their parents aren't aware and that's a dangerous behavior, then yeah, I think that their parents should be informed. But this is more of like, this yeah. is a, sa- like a safety thing. This is a, like a well-being thing, right? Because what we were talking about before was um, like when to expose someone, when is it acceptable? So like if someone has private sins, it's a different category than if someone has sins that are actually oppressing another person. So like um, abusing another person, oppressing another person, ripping someone off, stealing something from another person. So where you infringe on someone else's rights, right? Then in that case, I'm not going to say like go post about it on social media. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the victim has the right to receive justice for what's happened to them, right? So going and telling a trusted person, going and talking to a therapist, going and talking to a scholar, I mean, man, or like a trusted family member or whatever, I don't see that as backbiting because like this person was wronged, like significantly wronged, and they want to seek justice. And of course, like anybody might say like, oh, this person wronged me by giving me a dirty look. Like the, <laughs> the thing is like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, it, these are very general statements, right? Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So we have to be careful as well, because, Iman, before we started recording, you, you said something about intentions, right? Like, I know that if someone just, like, gives yeah. me a dirty look or, like, cuts me off in traffic or something, like, that's not something that I'm seeking justice for, you know? That's not something that's, like, I'm going to go online and be like, oh, so-and-so, this person's name, cut me off in traffic and he's this and he's that and whatever. When we are the most at our comfort zone and we're with our family and our sisters and, you know, we're just relaxing in the atmosphere and then we start talking. And then my mom always says this thing that after 20 minutes of talking, and if it's just about anything, it's going to fall into talking about other people. (laughs) And it's true though. And then it starts like, it just starts off with like, you know, even about somebody else, like, oh, I went to her house and I ate that. And then, you know, I didn't like that or and little as that, and just adding that up and the accumulative effect of that on what we perceive the other person to be is very problematic. Because if you think about it, like, you know, let's say a friend calls you and she starts talking about somebody or, and she's trying to uh, make sense of her experience, but now you're hearing this entire perspective of this one other person. And you don't know what to do with this information now. Asma, you mentioned a really good point about having a therapist or like talking to a therapist or a counselor or a mom, a trustworthy person. But you can have friends you trust so much, but when you're talking about somebody else that they might know of, that's where I feel like now you have given this information to a person who now has to deal with that and be very, very careful of how they're going to express that information. Are they going to use that to stay away and avoid a relationship? Or are they going to say, well, my experience with this person, A, has been very different from your experience, so I'm going to stick with my experience. And then Iman brought up the point, like, you know, then can we take a trustworthy person's judgment, right? I think before we 
begin the yeah. podcast. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tricky one. It's like where do you draw that line? And and you know I don't want to project it all on uh, somebody else coming and calling me and telling me this, but I want to also hold myself accountable and say where do I fall into backbiting and how can I be very careful of that? And you know as as much as you know we're we're having this lighter conversation, but backbiting is a major sin. So how do you how do you go about making sure that you don't fall into it? Because yeah. it's a shaitan basically trying to get us to hinder from our true self, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just saying earlier, um, Zainab, a lot of what you mentioned has to do with self-awareness and knowing yourself. Some people don't get affected, right? If you share information with them, they can be very logical and objective about the situation, right? And not make it personal mm-hmm. or whatever. And there are other people who can't. For example, I can. So do not come to me with your problems because I will have a problem with that person. (laughs) So honestly, and this is why I really, really avoid, I'm going to be quite frank, I try to avoid social gatherings that that I know where it's majority of the conversations are going to be backfired about other people. Because I know myself and I know that I will take things to heart or I'll know that my perspective, like you're saying, Zainab, of that other person might change or my view of that person might change. And I don't want to alter that. Like, I don't want to have those feelings. Like you said, if it wasn't my experience, mm-hmm. I'd rather not taint the view of that person. Exactly. That's, that's the thing, you right? Thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, no, you wanna, like but at the same time, you want to help the other person. Yeah. You want to help yeah. them understand their experience. But then you just are at that point where you're like, okay, now I know this information. What yeah. do I do with it? That, and I, that is, you know, yeah. You know, though, I think, Zainab, it's also important to, if that person comes to you with whatever their situation is, I think it's also important to share your experience with that person, too, to give the person a different perspective. That maybe this is your experience, but this is also my experience. So what, what meaning should mm-hmm. we make of this? Um, one mm-hmm. thing that I love is my mom hates backbiting, too, Zainab. Like, she hates it. She's like, there we go. Shaitan has entered the conversation. <laughs> She keeps us on our toes and she does not like it, but she's a mom, right? And she will always have situations where her kids or extended family will come to her with problems, like family problems where you're, you have to talk about the other person in order for you to talk about what you've experienced. So one thing I learned from her that I think is so amazing that once she starts to realize where the conversation is headed, like as the person starts to talk about it, the first she'll stop the person and say, is this something that I can help you with, right? So are you telling me this scenario because you want my help? If that's the case, then I'm going to be objective about it and then we're going to reach a resolution and we're going to figure out how to bring it into the conversation. If the answer is no, then she'll be like, let's move on. And I love that. I really, really Mm -hmm. like, she does that to us every single time, even with me. Like if I were to come to her about a problem with my husband (laughs) or my sisters (laughs) or whatever, she will stop me and be like, is this something I can help you with? And I think that's such a good filter, you know, because it kind of reminds wow. the other person of what they're doing or where mm-hmm. they're headed. And it mm-hmm. kind of changes the conversation or the dynamic mm-hmm. of the conversation mm-hmm. immediately. Yes, Iman, like that, that is really beautiful. The fact that she's able to maintain that sense of clarity almost where she knows right from the beginning that like, I don't want to backbite and I don't even want to hear it's not that I don't even want to speak it. I don't even want to hear it. I think when someone has the strength to do that and the conviction, then everybody that comes to talk to them, like they've kind of set their boundaries. 
You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's kind of a, a really good point too. Like, how do you set your boundaries so that people know there are certain things that they can't say to you and get away with? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then of your earlier point about like, when someone speaks to you negatively about another person, that puts a burden on you because now you have this information. What are you going to do with it? So it's like, even listening to it is problematic, right? That's, yeah. 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 And, but there are, you know what, there are certain circumstances like that it's allowed for you to talk about someone very openly and frankly. Like, for example, if I, if I want to get married and I go ask someone, what do you know about this person? Not even that you can, you're obligated to tell me the truth, good and bad. Like if there's bad, you ha- like you're literally obligated to tell me. Yeah. Or if I'm, I think uh, the second one is if I'm going into business, if I want to go into business with them mm-hmm. and someone knows something negative that's going to affect that business, then they're obligated to tell me as well. So it's not like, um, it's not like we're taking the angle where we have to bear- bury our heads in the sand and just let people do whatever they want and like never talk. It's not that. It's more like being able to control what we say, like our tongues and setting the boundaries that let people around us know that like, I'm not going to take part in this sin as much as I'm able to do. 100%. You know, and like one thing I want to mention is that this entire idea of, you know, being a good listener and a good friend and uh, someone who's nice, who's going to, you know, open arms to you when you need them. But then there has to be a limit of that same boundary has to be there that this person or any person or yourself are not going to indulge in a talk that is going to be harmful for somebody else. And so that boundary has to be always reminded. And, you know, because we love people, we love our friends, we love our family, we want the best for them and for ourselves too. And then when things like this come up, it's just like, this is wrong. Like, we, we just can't do that. We can't talk about somebody else in such a negative light. I think it, it boils down to talking about other people negatively for pleasure. I feel like that's the context of backbiting, right? So yeah. spilling the tea, right? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It's fun, right? It's spicy. Her? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, do you know? Do you know what happened to her marriage? Oh my God, did you see what, how her husband treated her the other day? Blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, as women, I was saying this before the podcast, is I feel like because we crave emotional intimacy, it's kind of like we like to explore our feelings in, in different scenarios. And I feel like that's why we tend to fall into backbiting because we love to talk. I mean, not all of us, but <laughs> most of mm-hmm. us. I love to talk. I love to have conversations. And I like to tap into other people's feelings and figure out what's going on. And, and I feel like personally, that's where I fall into backbiting sometimes. And I have to catch myself and be like, wait, what's my objective? Of, of, like, this happens to me a lot, by the way, especially when I want to talk to my husband about, you know how they say, if you tell me a secret, um, my husband doesn't count, like, because <laughs> you're going to tell your <laughs> husband everything anyway. And there's so many times where I have to remind myself, no, that person told me this in secret, even though he's my husband, I want to share everything because guys, let's be honest, filling tea feels good, okay? <laughs> It really does. Temporarily, it really temporarily. does. Oh, it feels good yeah. though just while it's happening. But then after that, you feel bad, right? You feel like, oh my God, why did I just do that? Mm-hmm. But you get that temporary high kind of thing. You get that adrenaline rush, right? And you're yeah. doing it. And I feel like that's why it's such a huge temptation that we involve ourselves in it. 
But I feel like that's where the big reward is when we stop ourselves from it. That's our personal battle and our personal struggle. So um, it's definitely, yeah, go ahead, Zainab. It's definitely a tough one. Yes, it's a tough one. But, and also like, you know, it seems like it's fun, at least temporarily it's fun. But we need to also remember and bring our actions back to what Rasulullah would have instructed us to do. And, you know, there are many hadith and even in the Quran that talks about backbiting in a negative light. Because what you're doing is when you backbite about someone, you are actually creating a negative perception about this one person. So you're actually wronging them in regards to their honor. And it's unfair for you to do that because then this person that you just spoke about is seen under that negative light. And it's unfair because we know that if one person talks, the idea is that the words get circulated around. And so it's not going to stay with that one person unless, inshallah, they're, they control their tongue and they actually are very aware and intentional about not speaking about it. But if this circulates around, it creates a very damaging reputation for that person. And it's unfair mm-hmm. for anyone to have to live with that. So it requires, actually, one of the hadith that I was reading, where Rasulullah said, whoever has wronged his brother in regards to his honor or anything else, let him seek his forgiveness today. So you have to actually go, and now that's another thing. Do you want to open that can of worm and say, well, no, actually, you know, hey, Samaleko, I'm sorry, but, you know, I actually backbited about you. <laughs> you know, do you want to open that? How do you actually seek somebody's forgiveness when you have backbited? How do you rectify that? Because let's say if that's something that you fall into very often, and we all do, right? How do you rectify that? I don't think everybody will have the courage to do that, to go up to the person and say, hey, you know what, this is what I said about you. Please forgive me. And like you said, that might open a a can of worms. But I think in general, you can go up to the person and be like, you know what, I'd appreciate it if you forgave me for anything that I've done intentionally or unintentionally. So it's kind of like, you're covering your premises without going yeah. into much detail and without kind of playing around with that person's emotions and feelings. And I think we need to normalize that. If someone comes up to you and says, you know, please forgive me, don't dig. And be like, what did you do? <laughs> you oh know, my God, Iman, I would, I would totally so dig. I would totally dig. I'd be like, forgive you for what? Exactly. Forgive me for what? <laughs> I know we would. And I think we need to stop doing that because it discourages people from coming up to us and rectifying their wrongs, right? Like you were saying, Zena? Yeah. And you know, there's a friend of mine, I'll tell you something beautiful she does. And she said, you know, if I have any sort of negative feeling about someone, and I verbalize that, meaning I backbite it about this person now, what I do is I give sadaqah on their knee, and I pray in tahajjud for them. And what that does is it takes you on a different level of compassion. It takes you on a different level of love and of forgiveness. And I always remember this one Zahabi who used to forgive everyone before sleeping and to let go of everything because forgiveness is empowerment as well, right? So the point where I'm trying to make is that if you did fall into that sin, first of all, ask for forgiveness in a, you know, if you don't want to be direct about it. But secondly, do something nice for that person and them not even knowing about it. SubhanAllah, then you're working at a different, at a different compassionate level for them. Yeah, those are great points, Zainab. I would also add, within the same conversation, if you catch yourself and realize, oh my God, I just 
said something that's not great about this person, then immediately start talking about their good, about their good qualities, about good experiences. You see what I mean? Like flip the conversation so that you're ending that conversation on a positive note. And then you can always end it with the dua al-majlis to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness right then and there before you even leave that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very uh, nice way of putting it all together. You know, okay, I, I just have one question. And that is, you know, a question that I asked at the beginning, like, h- how do we then still have people confide in us? Because we know that it's re- it is really important for the people who are close to us to, to be able to come to us and say, I had this experience. You know what I mean? And I still think that there's, there has to be space for that. And we have to deal with it in a way. So like, I'm just wary of gaslighting someone and just being like, listen, just don't talk about that person, that person, whatever he, did, he or she did to you, because it's backbiting. And my fear is that when we go down that route too far, that people will shut down and they won't be able to express their legitimate frustrations. Not like, oh, mm-hmm. this person, I went to the house and they cooked something and it, was, it tasted bad. No, but like genuine grievances that people have. And there are grievances that occur within, within circles, within families, within in-laws, that kind of thing, and abuses. And my only fear is that when we shut things down too much and too tightly, then people kind of implode in on themselves and, like, and then they refuse to talk about anything. And that has like major mental health ramifications as well. And we know, like we've experienced, we've all experienced either ourselves or people that we know who have experienced abuse or like legitimate issues that have to be discussed, but they're too scared to say anything because they think it's backbiting. You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah. And that's where they, first of all, should know who to go to. I don't think you should just go to anybody because you have to understand not everybody's willing or not everyone is capable to hold space for you. I think that's something we often don't reflect on when we're facing our own problems. We have to ask ourselves, is the person I'm about to approach, is this person able to hold space for me? And can I really tell them about the situation? And I think that goes the same way for the person who's receiving this information. I have to tell you, I sometimes there's times when I can't handle certain conversations and certain experiences. And when the person does confide in me, I, yes, I, I might validate. I may say, I totally understand what you're going through. But right now I cannot help you. And I agree with you, Esma, like those scenarios cannot be considered backbiting because there's an objective behind it. You see what I'm saying? Like you're trying to reach a positive resolution. You're trying to heal this person. But when backbiting is just for the sake of backbiting, I feel like that's what's wrong. Yeah. I just want to actually, I wanted to comment on what Esma was saying. And yeah, it's a very slippery slope, I shall say, because it's like, you want to be that friend who is a good listener, who is compassionate, but at the same time, you want to have that boundary where you don't fall into the backbiting. So I think, I think as, long as, you, as long as you make that very clear that I want to hear what you have to say, and I don't want to minimize your experience, but I'm just going to be a listener here. And let me know what role I should play in this conversation? Do you want to just vent to somebody? Or do you want to seek advice from me in, in this regard? Or do you want to just, you know, if you want me to give you my opinion regarding this, right? So it's like, what is my role in this? And, and very clearly, 
stating that during the conversation, I don't necessarily feel this way about the person and making sure that you stick with your truth. Because, you know, all of us know the very center core that what the person that we deal with, we know that the vibes that we feel, the energy that we are able to feel is different. It's not necessarily the same. So I think we have to constantly remind ourselves, yes, I am open to hearing and helping you in whatever way I can. But at the same time, don't expect me to change my opinion, my relationship with the person that you're speaking about. No, that's, that's unfair. That's high school things, guys. Like, let's all be mad at the same person. Come on. It does <laughs> let's happen. all be mad at the same let's, person. Exactly. But no, are we not graduate? <laughs> but do you not agree? Like this, this does happen. Like, you know, I feel about th- this way about this I person. Feel like and, it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, I feel like it also, you should also. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you should also is very childish, guys. But, but I, I do find it happens within families most of the time. Like if you, you yeah. know, one sister is upset yeah. at the other, it's like, how dare you talk to her? I'm upset with her. Exactly. I get that. Right. I get that. Yeah. And, and I don't feel like that's fair. But you know, Asma, I was just thinking about what you were mentioning. And mm-hmm. I just, I was reminded about, you remember the companions, the comp- there's so many companions who would come to the prophet I said about their problems without their spouses or about another companion who wasn't present. And never did I, I mean, I don't remember if a hadith where the prophet I was like, no, stop right there. Right. I don't want to hear about your problem. Let's bring in that person first or something like that. Like the prophet I would always listen to their problems, even if it was about someone else. And mm-hmm. that goes to show you, like, it goes back to the objective, the purpose behind whatever you're about to explain or tell the other person, right? That's such a good point. So, Iman, that actually reminds me of something I learned in a course many years ago. I, I want to even say 2005. Oh, gosh, I'm so old. But we took this course back then, and it was about the companions of the Prophet them. And the instructor was saying how the companions had a very open and honest relationship with one another. So if, if there was a companion who said something negative about another one or who did something or who like, wronged a person in any way, they would, they would come out and they would say it. They would say, you said such and such and I want justice or you did such and such to me and I want justice. And everything was like out in the open. And, and um, the instructor at that point was saying that this is the reason that their relationships were so strong and they were so good because things were dealt with in the open. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like small private matters, but I mean like w- they wouldn't like suppress their feelings and suppress mm-hmm. their emotions and like just be like, oh, I can't say this because I can't backbite. No, they would actually, not in a judgmental way, but like in, a, in an honest way, like you did this and I want justice. And so the relationships like were quite strong. And I mean, you might read about like small things here and there that like, Maybe people didn't have a great relationship at one point or another. But like, I remember hearing that and feeling like, whoa, that's actually true. And if you, if you look into the Sira, like you'll find like, oh, this person called me uh, this name. Like a man would go to the Prophet exactly like you said, Iman, and he would complain. He said, this Sahaba or this man called me this like slur. And like sometimes it was like, I think for that specific case, it was actually a racial slur. And then um, like... The, the, the Sahaba came and he said, step on my neck. And he was so apologetic and so sorry. And like, my point is that it was dealt with in such an open way. And that's why they were able to maintain that strength of their relationships and like really look at each other as brothers and sisters. But now what we do is like, we whisper behind each other's backs. And that's the whole point. Like we whisper 
not to seek justice, not to rectify things, not to fix our relationships, just because it's fun. It's easier to, right? It's easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you just spoke about, like open communication, right? Just Mm -hmm. being communicative of whatever is bothering you. But here's the thing, though, that I just want to bring up. So, you know, it all comes back to having good communication, allowing the other person to express themselves and, you know, giving room to that other person. And also notice like when Asma, you were speaking about this, that the Sahaba were never seeking to be liked. They were seeking justice. So whether they came across as a little bit assertive, that was because they were not looking to be pleasing to others, rather actually seeking justice. So that's, that's something that I wanted to mention. And another thing is, though, you do have to be careful of speaking and going back and confronting with that other person or even speaking to the person that we uh, feel that, you know, there's something wrong that they have done. Because oftentimes, if there is a toxic person, and that's another topic, then they can gaslight to say, well, I didn't really mean that way. You took it in a different way and you're too sensitive about it and so on. So, you know, it's a very complicated topic at the end of the day. Just don't backbite. Just stay away as much as you can. And, you know, stay away. I shouldn't say as much as you can. And be very reflective of your choice of words and what you're willing to listen to and what you're willing to say to others. And that's where I think I would just kind of conclude here. Asma, do you want to say a few words? I would agree with you, Zainab. I think always err on the side of caution when it comes to these things, just so that you can you know, when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, that you don't have sins on your back that you, that you didn't know about, you know? So I think if we put at the forefront of our existence that we live in this world and this is a world of tests and our ultimate goal is Jannah, then we will be able to have a little bit more control over what we say, or even we'll be able to let things go a little bit. You know, somebody says something annoying to us, or it's kind of like the small annoyances. And at the same time, we want to balance that with if you have truly been wronged, if you have truly faced an injustice or abuse, that that isn't considered backbiting. Like, go tell someone who you trust, who's a trustworthy person, go tell someone and make sure that you do seek justice. So always keep this balance in mind, you know? So my, my end message is always be balanced. Yeah. And I would also add, Asma, even if it's just a negative experience that you've feel like you need to speak to someone about, right? All right, guys, I hope you guys will join us in the conversation. Please go ahead and find us on Instagram at the Muslim in the room. And inshallah, we'll talk soon again. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear your thoughts. So be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to connect with us a little bit more, join us over at Instagram at the handle The Muslim in the Room. Tune in next week for another thought-provoking, or who knows, maybe even a little controversial episode. Until then, take care and assalamu alaikum.